2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: It's hour
3: two on this Tuesday. You're still fired up over court storming. Seth Greenberg, former college coach, now with the mothership. He'll join us a little bit later on. See if he has a solution. Peter King, uh, football night in America and uh, football morning in America. He'll join us as he says goodbye to his column after 27 years. So Pete will join us coming up. And there's a lot going on with the Combine this week. And, you know, I start to look at these running backs who are available. And I don't know if this trickles down to, let's say, junior high or high school, where your great athletes who were normally your running backs now want to play a different position. If you have aspirations on playing uh, that position – at a higher level, would you rather do that as a running back or maybe be a cornerback where you can make more money? You know, the, the running back, aside from the quarterback, but the running back, you're getting the ball 25, 30 times in high school, maybe even in college, or at least you used to. And I wonder if we're going to see less marquee players, athletes want to play that position, and then maybe they want to play something else. And uh, you start to look at Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry. They're all available. Uh, and then you start to look at the franchise tag for a running back and what you're going to be able to earn. Saquon, maybe you get a contract, maybe, with the, the Giants. Or Tony Pollard, man, I thought he had a bright future. Now all of a sudden is Dallas you know, in the market for another running back here? Derek Henry. Hall of Famer, question mark, now he'll be available. Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, all available. Feels like any running back that uh, was coming up for a new contract is going to be available for anybody because it doesn't feel like these teams are going to franchise tag. Now, I'd rather get the one-year franchise tag instead of the like one-year great instead of three years good because then maybe you get franchised the next year, or maybe you get, you know, a three year contract, but you start to look and there aren't many running backs where you go, okay, I'm going to invest with that, that, uh, player at that position. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's the unicorn in a variety of ways. Alvin Kamara got that money, but Alvin Kamara has tailed off, but you know, you have Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. That's a mistake. Um, and then you start to look at Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, by the time he gets to the point where he might get paid, because that's a seventh-round pick out of Rutgers, and here he is with a couple of Super Bowls, he runs really hard. And then all of a sudden, he's not going to be running you know, as hard as he used to. You want to get paid. And he's not going to get paid these four years. But his contributions to the Chiefs, they don't win these Super Bowls without Isaiah Pacheco but you got a seventh-round draft pick here. You're not going to take one in the first round. I mean, Saquon Barkley is probably the last running back who's going to be taken in the top ten. that sound about right? Has there been any other running backs taken? But I wonder about the position as we move forward. And at some point, do you say, I don't want to be a running back. I want to be a cornerback. Look at the money you can make as a cornerback or as a linebacker. Or you want to be an edge rusher. Yes, Mark.
4: And less punishment, too. If you're a corner, like you're not getting contact every single play like you are a running back and you're running the ball 25, 30 times a game. You know, Saquon Barkley had 670 rushes at Penn State. So he already took a beating in the Big Ten before he even got to the NFL.
3: Okay, I'm going to offer up something free of charge. Running backs in college should be able to leave after their sophomore year. How about that? they're they're ready to go. We've seen that before where you know if it's Marshall Falk or Adrian Peterson or Herschel Walker, these guys are ready to go. But now we're going to tack on at least one more year of wear and tear and the possibility of injury. You're really only good at that position for about 5 years, it feels like. Maybe 6 years at the most. So you might get a second con. Remember Zeke Elliott came out, boom, 1500 yards. Leonard Fournette came out, ready to go. But all the wear and tear, and then you get to the NFL, you only have so many carries in your body. You just do. And then you start to slow down. But maybe we give them some kind of exception and say you get to come out after your sophomore year if, if you're
5: drafted. Yes, Heaton? According to uh, this random website that I'm looking at, uh, the average... Um, career lifespan for an NFL player is 3.3 years, yeah. right? A running back is 2.57. The highest um, in years, do you want to guess? Mm-mm. Kicker, punter, oh, okay. all right? And that average career is 4.87 years. Yeah. Okay. So there's not a huge difference between the longest and the shortest. Okay.
3: Although the wear and tear on your body, having seen Eric Dickerson have a hard time sitting in a chair, to uh, Earl Campbell needing assistance and then a wheelchair eventually, like those guys, they it takes a toll on them in a variety of ways. That position, probably more so than any other position. Because you're, you're basically saying, I'm running the football tackle me. So
6: yeah.
3: You're, you're, <laughs> it's like there's no secret here. You try to avoid getting tackled. Yeah, Paulie.
7: You can make the case that Isaiah Pacheco has earned a raise, has earned a contract. Oh, sure. He, I mean, clearly yeah. he makes eight hundred made eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars this season. He's got very little bonuses because they don't have to pay him any bonuses. He's completely under contract for twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five at a million dollars per season. Yeah. He'll be twenty seven years old, free agent.
3: And I doubt if somebody's gonna give him a long term contract there.
4: Yeah, Marv. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the wear and tear before they even get into the NFL. Adrian Peterson, 1,900 yards. He had 339 carries his freshman year. And then he's like, I got to play two more seasons before I even can consider going into the NFL.
3: I think that we should have an exemption.
4: Would you have to, let's say, okay, so let's say it was Leonard
7: Fournette-ish type player was playing right now. And after his sophomore year, he petitions the league and he has to be maybe viewed as a top first round or second round running back. And then it would be that type of exemption? Maybe,
3: maybe. And look, I'm just spitballing here, but I, I think at that position, who was the, uh, was it Lattimore? Uh, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, oh, yeah. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah.
7: Terrible in the injury.
3: Yes. And look, can it happen your sophomore year and your freshman year? Yes, it can. But the more times you carry, the more potential for something serious there. And at that position, now you can come back. Willis McGahee came back. But it just feels like, does anybody want to play running back anymore? Because it's not really you're a running back. Isaiah Pacheco is, but Christian McCaffrey is a dual threat there. And I don't know if they try to reclassify that position so these players can get paid. If not, it feels like the talent level at that position will drop off because they're going to go where you can make the most money.
4: Yeah, Marv? You know, do they do like the, uh, with the quarterbacks, like in the Rivals 100 for high school recruits? They do dual threat quarterback. Do they do dual threat running back? Like this guy can also go out into the slot and be like a Le'Veon Bell in his prime or Christian McCaffrey, where it's like, all right, he can go out into the slot also. Or,
3: or like Debo Samuel could be a running back, but, you know, he wisely is a wide receiver. That's you know go back to when Jimmy Graham he was a tight end wanted to be classified as a wide receiver and the reason is he wanted to be paid more. Uh, Vernon Davis I think also tried to do that as well. Yes, Paulie.
7: And if you look at the you said uh, running back will not be taken in the top five top ten you're probably right. I mean uh, it's been de-emphasized on the college level. Saquon's a an anomaly. Okay, but who is the running back that's available this year? I don't have a running back in looking at four different mock drafts in the first round. Okay. I don't have a running back. In a couple mock drafts, until the third round, and a couple in the second round, there is not a alpha dog.
3: Yeah, it feels like you can get a running back. We've said this before; you can get him somewhere. You know, depending on how good your scouting department is, but you can find these running backs, and then you basically plug them in and tell them to run really hard, and then we'll see you in four years as we say goodbye to you. Yes, Marv.
4: When's the last time a MVP level running back? Was a part of a Super Bowl champion. Like the Patriots, they just did running back by committee. Right now, with the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round pick. So there really hasn't been an Adrian Peterson type. Terrell Davis. Right. That's probably the last one, maybe. I mean, McCaffrey's in the conversation
3: for MVP. Uh, But once again, he's an anomaly. Uh, How he's used in that offense, uh, but he led the league in rushing. Yes, more.
4: If Kyle Shanahan would have ran him more in the oh, third quarter,
3: oh, then bloop. we wouldn't be having this conversation. Blue, blue, blue. Yeah.
5: Yes, uh, Seaton. You know, the last one uh, that was like really like a featured super stud running back is probably Marshawn Lynch. But that was that's over ten years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah.
3: All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. Operator Tyler standing by. Good morning if you're watching on Peacock. Thank you for downloading the app there. Stat of the Day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. We'll talk to Peter King coming up. Also, uh, Seth Greenberg. Give us his thoughts on court storming and what kind of solutions. The uh, Duke Center, Kyle Filipowski, no major injury. Turned out it wasn't his ankle. It was his knee. Uh, Zach in South Bend. Hi, Zach. What's on your mind?
6: Hey, Dan. Hey, bud. 6'4", shooter. Sure. All right. Just like you, Dan, but I don't do love like you do. I will say that. Nice job on the Valentine's Thank gift. you. Thank you. Um, I want to comment on the court storming. And if you will allow me, I kind of want to comment on the running back situation after that, but that's up to you. Um. So, of course, I mean, I'm kind of with Seton. I think a lot of people's solutions are, you know, kind of overthinking it a little bit. I think you put a few more people out there in the green jackets, like Seaton said, and we get strategic and looking at the schedule a little bit about which games it could possibly be so the schools don't have to fully staff every single game like that. Um, and you announce it a few times during the game, I think most people will kind of hold back. I think the main problem is the amount of people that are coming on the court. I don't want to see it totally go away either. Um, but the amount of people, like you said, with all kinds of different – uh, motives, trying to get it documented on their phone, or they're only really trying to enjoy the moment. I think we want to reduce it to the people that want to enjoy that moment, mostly the students and some of the other diehard fans. And I think if you announce it and do some of those things like Stephen's was talking about, I think you get it there. So that's kind of my solution. Um, and it takes away some of the purity of it. Like I heard Seth talking about yesterday, and he'll probably talk about it today. You know, uh, a minute clock, and then everybody can storm. I know,
3: but that's... And, and thank you, Zach. I know that we have these You know, I think they're good thoughts. I just don't know how you can enact these things with students and you're going to tell them, hey, if you come on the court, the university is going to be fined $100,000. Or, hey, would you wait a minute before the opposing team leads the floor? What if it's a buzzer beater and you win your conference tournament, you're going into March Madness? Is security going to be there? How much security is going to be there? Are the fans going to go, okay, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. Uh, Can we go now? Can we go now? Can we go now?
5: Yes. But see, that's where we get back to our original discussion of court storm worthy. The scenario you just laid out is like, yeah, you know what? I bet there would be a gigantic mob of people that are storming the court. These random Tuesdays in the middle of the season where it's like, ha ha, we beat them. You guys want to go? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's all go do it. That those are the ones that are that's so stupid that I think just having security would probably get rid of. But when you win your conference championship and you're going to the tournament and blah, you know all of those things you just laid out. Yeah, it's probably a really exciting moment. The hired security might not keep that back. Yes, that is probably going to be the case.
3: But Wake beating Duke at Wake, favored by two, and you beat Duke last year at home. Uh, That's a social media storming. Yes, yes. That's. Uh, hey, mom, did you see me on TV? Yeah. All right. Let me take a break. Uh, the great Peter King will join us coming up. Get his thoughts on a couple things from the combine and uh, his decision to stop writing his column after 27 years. Take a break. We're back after this. Dan Patrick Show. <laughs>
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it, I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is!
2: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I will get to more phone calls. People still fired up about court storming. He is uh, the recently retired Football Morning in America columnist. Peter King. This will be the last time we'll ever have Peter on the show because there's no reason to have him on after this. He's not going to be doing anything. Not going to be relevant. He's going to be retired. Uh, let's all say goodbye to oh. Peter King.
4: Bye,
1: Bye, Bye, Peter. Good run. Good run.
8: Hey, hey. Very impressive. Dan, I look forward to a life of irrelevance. Yeah. Let me tell
3: you. yeah. Hey, welcome to my world. All righty. Uh, a couple of things here. By the way, you have a Wake Forest jacket on. Are you, are you pro-court storming? Is that why you're I wearing
8: detest, this? I detest court storming. Okay. Okay. It's idiotic. It shouldn't happen, and it. I, I've thought that even before this guy got hurt from Duke. It's it's bad. It's dangerous. It's just it's just a dumb idea, and they got to do something
3: about it. Yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out. What is it that they can do that's going to prevent this? Whereas when you have professional sports, we encourage the security guy to knock the guy to the ground when he runs onto yeah. the baseball field yeah. or football field. Here, you're kind of saying, eh, go on down there and have a little bit of fun. But the yeah. game they're not interrupting the game. This is after the game. And my solution is just ensure that you have police presence and you get the opposing team off the court. Like, that's what their job is. Make sure you corral them, get everybody to the locker room, and then if the students want to come on the floor, fine. But get the opposing team off the floor
8: safely. From here on out, what I would do if I were a coach – I would simply say that, you know, especially if my program is a big program like Duke, I would simply say at each game I have, I want eight security officers there after the game. And I want them to create a little funnel after the game. And that funnel leads to the tunnel that lets people go out of a place peacefully. Because quite honestly, I don't trust schools. Even if they ban court storming, I don't trust them to, uh, you, you know, to make the court storm-proof. But anyway, what do I know? I just saw this, and I just said, who allows this idiotic stuff to happen? Where is the NCAA? But I've said that about the NCAA <laughs> for the last three or four years. It is an idiotic, useless organization. You sound like a retired guy. Oh, I'm yelling at the clouds. I'm (laughs) going to be Torino. How in the world can the head coach at UCLA go to become the offensive coordinator at a school in the same conference? What is wrong with this picture? I'll tell you what's wrong with this picture. You know, the Pac-12 should be the Pac-12. The idiots who put the Pac-12 in the Big Ten are idiots. They just are. Do you realize that the minor sports, and I I hate to call them the minor sports, the non-revenue sports, how would you like to be on the, pick a team, the UCLA men's soccer team, and have a road trip to State College, Pennsylvania, or you name it, you name it, and you play one game, and then you get back on a plane and you fly back to Los Angeles. I know some of them are going to do two games and, and all that stuff. But even two games, you're flying 3,000 miles to play two soccer games or two softball games or maybe even one, and then you go back home. A bunch of idiots. It's, it's just
3: money. It's sports. just greed, Pete. That's all this is. It's look, at, it's- look at Big East basketball, the best conference ever. And what happened? Football ruined, football greed ruined the best basketball conference in America. That's, yeah. it. That's all it is. That's the bottom line. Speaking of yeah. the NCAA, I have an idea. Yeah. Looking at these running backs, they're all available, you know, they're gonna get franchise tag, anybody getting a contract here. What if we said that we're gonna give exemptions to running backs after their sophomore year that they could leave college if they wanted to to go to the NFL?
8: Well, then I'm sure what you would do is you would get um maybe not a union, but some sort of organized effort for the left tackles to say, well, why do we have to stay three years? Well, You know, I understand why you're saying that, Dan, because there's only so much tread on a tire for a running back. But, and again, I don't mean to sound callous, but running backs, unfortunately, in the way the game is today, are simply not as important as they were 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, running a running back had just as much of a chance before the season of winning the MVP. Look at the years that Adrian Peterson and LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Alexander had. You know, so <clears throat> it's just the way the game goes. And, of course, you know, you feel sorry for Saquon Barkley that he makes one quarter of what Daniel Jones makes, it's just, it's stupid. Unfortunately, that's just the economics of the game. Um, what was your first year covering covering the NFL? I covered the Bengals for the Cincinnati Enquirer in 1984, and I actually picked up rookie quarterback Boomer Esiason at the airport the day he got drafted. <laughs> And he actually, he had a teammate named Pete Koch, who was also drafted, who was a defensive end, 6'5", 290. And so I had a two-door Volkswagen Rabbit. And I I went to say, hey, I'm picking you up. And they looked around saying, a media guy is picking us up from the airport? (laughs) I conveniently hid them from the guy in the limo that was sent to pick them up from the Bengals. And so we went to the parking lot. We get in the car, and Boomer Siasin, who was already pissed off about being picked in the middle of the second round, he looks at the car, realizes he's going to have to squeeze into the back seat, and he goes, Welcome to the effing NFL. <laughs>
3: uh, And he's had a chip on his shoulder ever since then. Yes, he has,
8: (laughs) and he still
3: does. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so all the years you covered the NFL, if I said you can have the answer to one story, one question, what's the one question or one story that you want an answer to that you didn't get?
8: I would really want to know why Bill Belichick felt the need to videotape sidelines when he already was the most brilliant defensive coach maybe of all time i that will always confuse me it's like when robert Kraft asked him he and this was in this documentary he said it many times when i asked him how much of an advantage he it gave him belichick said one percent and Kraft said to him well you're a schmuck i mean it's just i realize you try to get every edge But when the league tells you the previous year you can't do this because they know you've been doing it, and then you do it again the first year at your arch rivals where where Eric Mangini is coaching the team, I mean, Bill Belichick is a lot smarter than I ever will be about many things in life. He wasn't very smart that year. Yeah. Trying to figure out, though, Bill's next move. is,
3: Is there a chance in your mind that he has coached his final NFL game?
8: I guess there is, because how in the world could there be seven openings other than New England, and he gets one formal interview? Now, he probably got a couple of phone calls, hey, what do you think? Is it worthwhile for us to talk, whatever? But, I mean, I keep wondering, you're Josh Harris. You just paid $6 billion for this football team. Explain to me why you wouldn't sit in a room with Bill Belichick for a day or for six hours, yeah. at the very least, to simply download his brain. I, I will never understand why Washington did not interview Bill Belichick.
3: Talking to Peter King, the recently retired Peter King. Uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, not, not a report, but you kind of sent something out there that caught my attention where you go, I could see the Bears. The wind is blowing that it looks like they'll trade that number one pick. These are scenarios that could happen. How much research is in there, Pete? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing.
8: You didn't speak to anybody. I spoke to nobody. I haven't talked to anybody. Like, Dan, a year ago at this time, I just read. I read what's out there. A year ago at this time, I sat in a room for 45 minutes with Ryan Poles right at the scouting combine at the Hyatt in Indianapolis. His next appointment was Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> and that's what... This is what Ryan Poles is going to do this week. And I just believe... I just believe... I If I am Ryan Poles, you know what I have on my team? I have a B quarterback with about 10 significant holes. I probably in the next two drafts could take the first pick in this draft and turn it into, along with my other picks, a total of maybe eight picks in the top two rounds in the next two drafts. I could do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you build a great team around a B quarterback instead of drafting a quarterback who might be an A quarterback, but... It's the hardest thing to project in all of sports. What quarterback when you when you that you draft is going to be great. Look at the misses over the years. So in my opinion, if your locker room loves Justin Fields, if you know that you can surround Justin Fields with a supporting cast the way Brett Veach and Andy Reid have surrounded Patrick Mahomes, With a supporting cast, to me, it's not a very difficult decision. But I don't know what they're going to do, Dan. I put that in basically because you just keep hearing things about this, and I just believe that the smartest thing for them is to trade the pick. Now that you're
3: retired, what are you going to do Sunday night after all the games?
8: Go to sleep happily, and I probably won't make it to the end of the Sunday night game which will be a happy moment for me because one of the reasons i wanted to retire before the scouting combine is that i used to love going to the scouting combine five six eight years ago you're up to 130 every night but you're also spending 45 minutes with sean mcveigh or with whoever you know with all these well not sean mcveigh anymore he doesn't go to the scouting combine but all these coaches, you see out, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You just sit with them and you talk to them about whatever. And that is great. But I've gotten to the point in my life, I knew one of the reasons it's time to go is that I have no desire to stay up till 1.30 in the morning anymore to do anything. Sorry. That's just the way it goes when you're <laughs> 66. So that's one of the w- reasons that I knew it was time to go. All right, before I let you go, can you help me with this campaign
3: crusade to get Brent Musburger into the Hall of Fame?
8: Well, Dan, I saw that a few weeks ago. I'd, I'd be happy, and I believe absolutely unequivocally, the Hall of Fame voters have nothing to do with the the people that are selected uh, for the Rune Arledge Award, which is, you know, the TV award. The Pete for, Rosell the, Award. The Pete Rosell Award. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, but know. you know those people, so I and I have said on many occasions this guy should be in, that guy should be in. But okay. Dan, I'm not, I'm not involved okay. in any way other than to say, man, you you ought to look at Musburger, you ought to look at this guy.
3: Yeah, but you don't have a job now, Pete. I'm giving you a job.
8: I, Dan, with all due respect, and I love Brett Musburger. There are a lot of things in my life that I could get on a crusade about. Okay. That's not the one that is number one on my list. However, however, I absolutely categorically think that Brett Musberger, who is on the Mount Rushmore of, you know, the TV influencers in the history of the NFL, it's insane he's not. He doesn't have that award.
3: Well, no. uh, congrats on the decision. And, All uh, right,
8: Dan. Hey, thank you. Good to, good to be with you always. And uh, listen, I'm going to be scratching and clawing to get on your show mm. when I'm feeling particularly lonely <laughs> next October. So just make sure that Todd Fritz okay. has an excuse built in. Oh, Peter, we're booked for the next eight months. We got nothing. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, take care, guys. <laughs> thank you, Peter. All right. See you later. That's Peter King.
3: Football Night in America, also Football Morning in America columnist, and did it for a long, long time. That'll take years off of you. Uh, you know what? He did it too well. Like, he, he set a standard, and then you have to live up to that standard. When you do a long-form column and all the stuff that he would put in there, you know, it, it was must-reading, Every, every Monday that you would get that, and there was always something that you could take out of there. Uh, there was a quote in there. There was a story in there. There was, you know, a rumor in there. It was just, there was always something. And I'll go back to the Boston Globe when you had Peter Gammons and you had uh, Will, Will McDonough covered the NFL. Uh, who was it? Peter May covered the uh, NBA maybe for them. But the Sunday Boston Globe was must read because there were every Peter Gammons had his baseball page. There was a football page, a basketball page, and it was as good a sports department as anybody has ever assembled. And uh, I, I just, I, you know, I was fortunate to grow up with that. I would go out and get the Boston Globe when I was in New York, even when I was in Ohio. I wanted to read the Boston Globe because it had so much information in there. And those kind of columnists, well, newspapers, they're dying. You know What we ask of a columnist is different now. But uh, Peter, old school, and um, 27 years of doing that. Yeah, Peter, or uh, Paulie?
7: A long time ago, back when we were at ESPN, you had a day off. And we, Fritzy and I, and you as well, were discussing fill and hosts. And we decided to ask Peter King. And he got back to us. He goes, I'd love to. I've never hosted a radio show in my life before. I'd love to. And we did it at the ESPN zone in New York City. Yeah. And Peter was prepped. I mean, he knows football at the back of his hand. He walked in. He did three hours in your spot. And we had guests. We had everything ready for him. He got done. He looked like he just left a <laughs> sauna. He <laughs> goes, I'm never doing that again. Mark, like, what? You didn't have fun? He goes, I had a blast. He goes, that was a lot different than what I was expecting. And he wrote about it in his Monday morning quarterback column. Yes. And it was fascinating. He said, he goes, I, I had no idea how to pace yourself in a three-hour format. And it was it was great radio, but he was he was like a wet sponge when he's done.
3: But that's why I wanted to have you guys here later on in my career, that I could take a break. Uh, you know, you guys might have something to say, and and then it allowed me. Plus, I didn't want to just hear my voice, but you know, these singular hosts, it's tough to do that for three hours, and it's live, and the energy that it takes. Um, and I realized that I realized that a while ago. Like, hey, you guys can help me with the heavy lifting here. Plus, it's more content as well. But, you know, you have singular host, and, uh, you know, you rely on your callers or, you know, people who have writers on their staff to help you with, you know, certain segments there. But, you know, Pete's not the first to uh, say that. and won't be the last to do that when you're in there and you go, because everybody says the same thing. I could do that. You just sit around for three hours. You just talk. Yeah. And then after about 17 minutes, they go, I don't know what else I'm going to talk about. Yes, bowling.
7: The first time we had Mike Florio in studio, it was a similar situation. He'd been a guest on many radio shows. he had never hosted. He, to his credit, overprepared prepared for the show. He tried to write out the segments, and it looked like the movie Seven, The Notebooks. He had thousands of words <laughs> written down, and he did a very good job. But he even said, he goes, I was overprepared. I had too many notes. I should have just relaxed. It's one thing to be a guest. And now he's cruising on his show.
3: Yes, he is. But it took him a long time to understand it. There's a, there's a flow to it, a cadence to it. And to make it sound easy, look easy. That's part of the job of being a sportscaster. That's why everybody wants to do it. It's like, I could do that. I'd like to do that. I'd like to be on SportsCenter. Yeah, okay. Let me know. 11 o'clock, it's live. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. Where's the highlight? Uh, Prompter's down. All the fun things that go along in this business. All right. I got more phone calls coming up. And uh, we'll take a break. We're back after this. Dan Patrick Show.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm looking at the current MVP odds. Yeah, have the Joker is the favorite, big favorite. Then it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Then it's Giannis. And then it's Luca. Shea Gilgis is from Canada. Uh, Giannis, Luca, and uh, Jokic are uh, from Europe. And, you start to look at what the dream the impact of the dream team in 1992. So that's 32 years ago, Jokic is 28 or 29. And that that impact of what it meant around the country uh, around the world, the dream team was crushing everybody. But the impact that the dream team had on those countries that were being crushed is being felt in the NBA. These are your best players. So you got Jokic. Uh, he's got two MVPs. Uh, Giannis. Uh, even Joel Embiid, uh, who's not, you know, he's uh, not going to qualify this year. But then you have Luca. Luca's what twenty four. After that, you have Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, and uh, Jalen Brunson. Those are the uh, current MVP ons. Yes, Paul.
7: I've got a couple different NBA mock drafts. Oh. And in the, I'm not going to go through names because I couldn't pronounce these. If you gave me a month. But the NBA mock draft for 2024, the first player is from France. The second player is from Serbia. The third player is from France. Mm -hmm. Then there's a player from Colorado and Kentucky. Then you can go back to France again. Then you can go to the G League. And then you can go a guy from USC. But it's equal. It's like a combination of G League, college, and European players, not necessarily in that order.
3: And speaking of the draft, uh, much was made out of Bronny James, Falling out of the first two rounds, I think of a mock draft on ESPN, and then uh, LeBron said, "Let the kid just be a kid." It doesn't work that way. You're LeBron James's son, just like Tiger Woods's son played in an event. I think shot in eighty-six, but they didn't have enough security to follow Charlie, and uh, you know it became a scene there. When you're the son or daughter of somebody famous, it just goes along with you, but. I don't know exactly what LeBron is saying, just let the kid be the kid and don't put him in these mock drafts. Well, what if he wasn't in these mock drafts? What if he was playing well and then he wasn't ranked by anybody? Plus, you also have to factor in, LeBron has said he wants to play with his son, not against his son, with his son. His, his place in these mock drafts is important if he's worthy to be in these mock drafts. Because let's say he goes someplace, Is LeBron going to go play with him? So there is, you know, there is some seriousness attached to this. And, yes, I get, you know, as a a father protecting your son and you want him to have a normal life, he doesn't have a normal life. But I do think, I mean, they had him in the first round. He went through, you know, a heart condition here and probably needs to go back to school another year at least. And then maybe with the full season, a full offseason, then
5: maybe he becomes a marquee player. But he's not there. Yes, Eaton? Yeah, to me it just seemed like a dad defending his son, you know what I mean, which is pretty normal. The dad just happens to be LeBron James. I don't think that he was defending it being like, well, I really want to go somewhere in one of these top ten markets, so I've got to make sure that his draft stock stays high so that then I go to a better team. Like, I don't think it was all that nefarious or like devious or something, or but that, that well thought out, really.
3: He deleted the tweets. Which, if you're protecting your son, why are you deleting the tweets? I mean, that's what I, I didn't understand that either. But his son was put in the first round pick, and I, I was shocked because I watched him play a couple of full games. And if I said find LeBron James' son on the floor, and you didn't know, you would need a couple of guesses, just based off of talent. And he doesn't do anything exceptional. You know, not a, a big kid, a tall kid. Uh, but he, I mean, he knows the game, sees the floor, plays defense. Uh, the McDonald's game, he hit five threes. Uh, I would think you would be able to improve on your shooting. I just don't, I didn't see him as a first-round talent. But, you know, when I saw the mock draft, I go, okay, he's probably in there because he's LeBron James' son, and you're going to get people uh, who are going to read your mock draft because Bronny's in there? But watching him now, he's not ready. And hopefully, he goes back and you know gets another year there at USC. Yeah, Mark.
4: But I think LeBron may have to take some blame also because he put on like an IG post maybe in January. He said, "My kid can play for the Lakers right now." That is now. true. That is true. So it's one of those things like, are you kind of bringing this on yourself because you made it known I want to play in the NBA with my son? Yeah. So
5: that's fair. can. Yes, he- that all seems, like, super petty to me. It's no different to me than the, uh, we're going to win four, five, six. Whoa, well, what happened to four, five, six rings? I thought you guys were going to win. It's all very petty, like, oh, so I thought you uh, wanted to play with your son, and now uh, we're not allowed to talk about him? Which is it? Can we talk about Can we not? Like, Dan, what you had just said about, I didn't think he was a first-round talent when I watched him play, is 100% fair. That's, like, real talk. This other stuff of, like, twisting his words against him is all very petty to me, and, like... Uh, just seems nonsensical. What? Oh, what? I thought we weren't allowed to do that. Oh, now we can. Now we can. Which is it, LeBron? Make up your mind. It's like, all right, man, dude, just saying something. But that goes along with the territory of being LeBron because there are going to be people who are going to be, hey,
3: man, that's awesome. You stood up for your son. You're acting like father to, wait, you said he could play for the Lakers and now you don't want him ranked in any mock drafts or he fell out of them? I mean, that goes along with, my, or, uh, with LeBron yeah Pauline.
7: I agree with Seton C- saying I could see LeBron thinking to himself, you know last year when all these mock drafts way too early had him as a the 12th pick or the fifth pick or whatever it was, and that you could find them I found them he's probably saying, hey, I'm not, you're the ones who said he was this last year. don't make it sound like it's a bad thing that he might be a high second rounder this year because you're the same people who prejudged him last year before seeing him That may be what his motivation was.
3: Yeah, he said, uh, can you all please just let the kid be the kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and the results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. This is uh, earned, not given. Uh, Work matters. Let's talk real basketball, people. Um, Okay. He took the tweets down. Um, And you're right, Marvin, when he said, uh, following a loss to Memphis in January that Bronny could play for the Lakers right now easy. He's averaging five and a half points this season at USC. All righty, final hour on the way. More phone calls and Seth Greenberg from the mothership on his solution or solutions to stop court storming. Final hour after
5: this. Terms and conditions apply.
7: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
7: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I
2: walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was
7: already up on the wall.